Must be like the Wolf Pack, not like Six Pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, another episode of There's No I in Podcast, a podcast about teams. Uh, we talk about being in teams. We talk about leading teams. Uh, we talk about getting the most out of your team, whatever that is is uh, when I say we I'm talking about myself Mark Johnson I'm a performance teacher and a performance maker and I am joined always by Sean Gallagher who is a sports coach Sean you're with me how are you doing today Uh, I'm very well thank you Mark how are you I'm super good I'm excited for uh, our conversation today with Emma Warren Thomas who is the chair of trustees of a small arts charity but and this was interesting we got her on to talk about being a trustee did we talk about that much? No. <laughs> no, not overly. Um, we we ended up talking loads about um, her other role, which is as a fundraiser, as a philanthropy manager for the Royal Opera House. And because of the situation that we're recording these under and the, the current situation that theatres and arts organisations find themselves in, Emma was incredibly passionate about and seemed to want to talk about how they are managing under the under these circumstances so slightly different tone to this one yeah yeah but 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 really interesting um obviously it's a million miles away from sort of my knowledge in terms of the the royal opera house and uh theaters and and fundraising so yeah this was a bit of a an eye-opener for me and like it it's not off topic because she talks about how she operates within one of the biggest uh second largest i think she said arts employers in the country after the bbc which yeah. was something i didn't realize that the organization was that large so operating in such a crucial way in that organization at that scale was something that we got onto and ended up being super fascinating i hope that everyone who's listening also gets uh something interesting out of it so what we'll do, we'll jump straight to that. This is uh, Sean and I talking to Emma Warren Thomas from the Royal Opera House and the Nursery Theatre. I am uh, very excited to welcome onto the podcast today uh, Emma Warren Thomas. Uh, Emma is, uh, amongst other things, the philanthropy manager for the Royal Opera House, which is pretty amazing. And... Uh, also, and this is probably what we're going to be talking about mostly, uh, the chair of trustees for an arts charity called uh, the Nursery Theatre. Hello, Emma. Hello, how are you? Hi, <laughs> Mark. Hi, Sean. Hey, Emma. That was a whistle stop. Uh, that was the quickest version of an intro ever. Ever. For, <laughs> for the benefit of our listeners, could you fill in the gaps? How, how, have, you, how have you ended up uh, where you are at the Opera House and as a chair of trustees? Yeah, so so philanthropy manager and I, I'm one of um, a team of philanthropy managers um, and a philanthropy team at the Royal Opera House. And we, for, for people who, who aren't sort of quite aware of different there's so many different words for what I do you know it's Mm. fundraising donor engagement philanthropy um but what I do is I get money I get what we call voluntary (laughs) income (laughs) as opposed to non-voluntary we have voluntary income so it's money from people and they are giving it freely in no or little expectation of getting anything in return and there are some very strict rules about what we can 
the, the, the monetary value of what we can give in return. Certainly if you want to claim extra gift aid, etc., on people's donations. Um, but essentially, yeah, it's, it's giving, it's, it's getting people to give money to the arts because, you know, the arts doesn't pay for itself ever even a huge organization like the opera yeah. house um you know we don't we you know the ticket ticket income alone doesn't cover not it doesn't even cover half of what we need to keep everything going uh so the rest has got to come from somewhere else um yeah and it comes from the government which we're very grateful for um and it comes from uh generous donors who either buy a membership or make us a, a you know an additional gift on top of that and we're talking we're talking about like people who kind of do a hundred quid a year voluntary thing to people who want their name on the side of a wall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the way up to people. Yeah, name on name on the side of the building. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, no, not quite, not quite. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, naming, yeah, naming, naming spaces in the building. Absolutely, yeah. that's something we do. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's you know gifts. Yeah, like you say, from hundred quid to, to to well over a million. You know, is the range of gifts that we talk about. Yeah, and it's it's I'm 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 always amazed at how generous people are, you know, when it comes to supporting something that they love and that they value and that they think brings value to other people. It's yeah, so it's yeah. It's and you're still, um, I'm going to kind of sidetrack your intro. I apologise, but it feels um, we're we're doing we're still in a version of lockdown. We're still in a we're at kind of an interesting point in the conversation about arts funding because this is the week when. Uh, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport have announced a billion and a half or so for for arts organisations to try and make sure that they survive during what has been a very, very quiet, dark, as they say in theatre, time uh, and dark time generally. Dark, Um, yeah, dark just generally, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that or check in on that. Is that something that, you've found people have been responding in terms of lockdown and and the crisis that seems to be what people are experiencing from the arts. Have people been positive and continuing their engagement with that or has it been kind of everyone's backed off and gone into into their own little hole as Um, I did during lockdown? (laughs) Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, A lot of, a lot of donors have been, have, have, engaged even more with us mm. than, than usual i mean you know we've had some lovely things like you know some people have pledged to you know work out roughly what ticket spend they would have um, been spending and to donate that amount you know uh you know some people have doubled the gift that they were going to give made extra gifts on top and you know yeah some people have have sort of battened down the hatches a little and you know there's a lot of things to consider people are going through some people are going through obviously actual illness you know yeah. bereavement at the moment you know some people have lost a lot of money say if you were invested in the wrong stocks and shares you know there was a big there was a, it was quite yeah, a significant yeah. market dip at the beginning um some people are doing very well you know people who uh you know make hand sanitizer for example <laughs> you know they're, they're winning so are we expecting to see uh lots of uh carex sponsored opera <laughs> i mean that that would be brilliant. Like genuinely, I'm sure we would <laughs> pipe some of that, some of that COVID cash back in. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, yeah. Je- Jeff Bezos has done done okay. I was slightly worried for him over this period of time, but he's done okay. He's actually increased his wealth over this pandemic. So that's that. I sleep easier at night. Now. Yeah, it's good to know good. that, isn't yeah. it? Tonight's tonight's yeah. performance of The Marriage of Figaro is sponsored by DPD Couriers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd love that. Where you find you have to put lots of boxes in all of the production. <laughs> <laughs> cardboard, <Yeah>. cardboard, please. <laughs> They did. They did. Um, they, they, they've already done an opera in, I think it's in Spain, um, uh, where they set it so that everyone was wearing face masks. You know. So I mean. Oh wow. You gotta be. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta. Gotta go with the times. Um, yeah. No. It's. I think it's, it's been difficult. I mean. You know. Some people have 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 not engaged, but a lot of people. It's given them even more cause to engage with yeah. with our cause and with other causes. There's there's a lot of um, sort of bringing the arts to people in lockdown. Yeah. Um, you know, screening lots of previously recorded, you know, operas and ballets, um, you know, to our orchestra, kind of all playing individual bits at home and yeah. editing it together to make a sort of, you know, ode to joy for the internet. So, um, I mean, it's, there's, there's been a real kind of, kind of unleashing of creativity, kind of positive activity, engagement, which is great, you know, and, and one of the, the good things to come out of this as a fundraiser, engaging more with fundraising, yeah. you know, putting a donate button on our Facebook page, you know, being very upfront with people and saying, if you want us to keep going, you know, you, you it would be great if you yeah. could um, So lots of stuff that I hope that will continue beyond the end of of lockdown and, and you know, and, and, and this, you know, kind of pandemic time. There's some great things that hopefully will carry on. Mm. Um, but it's been difficult, you know, and, and, and you know, theatres have closed. You know, we've we've lost theatres, we've lost places, you know, and particularly places outside of London where they're... Yeah, the regional, the regional areas that are... Yeah. Well, they contribute so much in terms of uh, culture, but also in terms of, yeah. of industry development, the productions yeah. that are started out of London or the performers who are learning their trade out of London and... Yeah, and and as a community centre, and as a, and as a community centre for, for for people to go and have a coffee in the day, and you know it's it's um yeah so it's you know, we've already lost a lot, and you know the the arts um, emergency package is brilliant and amazing. Um, it's been hard won, hard fought. Yeah. There's been a huge amount of lobbying behind the scenes, um, and unfortunately, it's come too late for some organisations, and that yeah that's that's really tragic and. You know, it does say it does say something when the national have to lay off all their staff and, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. but if the if the if the if the national are not supported and if the opera house find themselves not supported and these are the institutions that are supposed to, um, you know, yes, arts are rep representative on a community level, but yeah. at the same time there are, there are the arts that are representative on the global level and the places that are seen in the world that yeah. say this is what Britain is about or this is yeah. these are these British values that we're trying to teach in schools and they're trying to okay, they are they live inside those buildings yeah. and so yeah it feels it feels like a tragedy that a bunch of places have closed but it also feels like a mystery that those you know the beacons of global theater uh aren't seeing a greater amount of support earlier on or haven't seen it it's baffling that you know that government um you know thought that it, it you know that that or that, that they seemed perfectly happy to kind of let the arts die or, or at least be severely cut back and you know and it's and it's um 
You know, it's, it's, it's an odd thing because, you know, it's not like we don't see Tory ministers in the audience at the Opera House. You know, they, they love a bit of opera, you know, and ballet. So it's, it's interesting that it, it just wasn't at all on their radar, you know, and, and taking apart the enjoyment, personal enjoyment thing, you know, the, the sheer amount of money that the arts brings in to the country. Um, you know, the amount of tourist pounds and pence that come in because of the National, because of the Royal Opera House, you know, because of the Globe, all of these places. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you can see that, you know, when there's so many little fires that need to get put out, that obviously you have to make choices and make priorities, but it's, I, I think it's sad. It is sad and baffling a little that it's taken this long, you know, and that it's too late for some and that there are still going to be thousands and thousands of, of people who work for the arts um, who are still not going to get anything. The self-employed, the perennial short-term contractors who didn't get furloughed, in many cases, they can't get government support, they can't get, you know, universal credit or any sort of um, benefit because, you know, they've been silly enough to have savings. And it's, you know, it's it's bonkers. It's really interesting to see what the priorities have been. And, and, and uh, yeah. But... And at the other end of the spectrum, scale-wise... Uh, from the Opera House yes. is the nursery. Is the nursery. Uh, which is, um, well, I'll let you explain it. I do have, I have an, an understanding of what the nursery is. I'm involved <laughs> in the nursery in a couple of different ways myself, which is how I know Emma. Um, but yeah, tell us what the nursery is. So we are, um, we are an improv charity, an improv theatre. We present improv performances. We teach, we create, uh, we share. Um, I looked up our our, um, our official charity aims. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so we, we officially um, advance the arts for the public benefit by the promotion in particular, but not exclusively, of the art of drama. And we advance the education of the public in the arts, in particular, but not exclusively, the art of drama. Um, so that's what we do. We've mm. been going for 10 years. We started off in a rickety old railway arch. Uh, we're now um, exclusively online because of <laughs> various things. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting, actually, because, you know, we've, you know, in, in the kind of current pandemic, I think we've we've done quite well as a charity. We've been able to pivot very quickly to online. Um, you know, we benefit from having an amazing, you know, collaborative um, pool of people involved who are all very happy to sort of just jump in and try something new. That's what makes, you know, improv so yeah. great. Um, and, and actually, you know, we've done, I think, much better. We've weathered, we are weathering this storm much better than, than other um, arts organisations have and will. Um, I think because, you know, we've been agile and, you know, we've we've been yeah able to to sort of turn yeah. our hand to, to that and i've been involved for oh gosh about seven years i think maybe as as a tr as a trustee as a trustee exactly so i've been chair for a couple of years um uh, apart from taking some time out uh when i went on maternity leave uh, and you very ably <laughs> stepped into the breach. Thank you, thank you, Deputy Chair. We learned we learned a couple of episodes ago uh, from a team personality test that we did mm. <laughs> with an organisation called Belbin. That that's what yeah. that's that's what I do. I will I will put put us in crisis and I'll leap in. Uh, there you go. Emma, can, can you just, because as I said, I'm, I'm uh, very far removed from the world of the arts um, and 
could you just explain like what your role as a trustee would be? Yeah, so um, so a trustee, so the trustees they're legally responsible for the charity as a whole, and a charity is is a you know it's legal definitions. It's it's a it's an organisation that exists for the public benefit, and then you can define what that public benefit is, but it's to do something good. Um, and so the point of the trustees um, is to essentially protect that organisation. Um, so they're legally responsible for it. They they don't do the day-to-day -day admin, although they can help. Um, they don't necessarily make um, artistic decisions, for example, um, although they would make policy and strategy decisions, they would help with that. But their, their aim is to essentially make sure that the, kind of the ship stays on course um, that right. the charity continues to do what it's supposed to do and that it continues to do it for the benefit of the public or at least, you know, the, the public that are benefited by the charity. Okay. So it's keeping it's keeping it honest, essentially. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a very good uh, explanation. Thank and you. and <laughs> as the chair, yes. your function within that group of people and uh, that can, trustee groups can number up to dozens yeah yeah you can have i mean i've i've sat in in boards where there've been certainly nearly 20 people um you know generally it's it's generally a sensible amount of 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 people you know you want a group that is big enough to have to cover all the skill sets mm. um and kind of knowledge and experience and you know attitudes etc that you need but you also want want one that's small enough to be able to kind of easily reach consensus on a regular yeah. basis. Um, you know, so there's kind of a sweet spot, I guess, between kind of depending on how your, your charity works, but probably between like 10 and 15, 20 people, you know. So, yeah, as chair, it's interesting, actually. I think my I see my job as chair is to to to, yes, sort of run it, but to facilitate. Mm. So my job is to kind of make the most use out of all of the people around the table right. to help the charity. So I'm not there to kind of dictate. I'm not there to be the boss. I'm not there to make the final decision. Um, although I'm the one that goes, right, guys, we need to make a decision, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So it's yeah. that difference. So, you know, I'm, I'm not laying down the law, um, you know, but my job is to make sure that the, the, that the trustees do the best work they can. Um, for the you know for and that they do their best for the charity and is there a i mean that's super clear thank you you explained that so well yeah i really like this idea of facilitation of making sure that you're making the most of everyone in the room and i i kind of wish that chairs of random meetings uh, that I've been in, recognise <laughs> that as maybe their responsibility in the room rather than being the boss of the room, which is, uh, you know, we've all been in meetings where there's someone who sits at one end of the table oh, yeah. and says, thank you for your input, we're going to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's 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 another, you know, I think it, you do need to know when, I suppose... Yeah, I mean, there are occasionally times when, when you're going to have to go some, well, thank you very much for your input, but... I don't think anyone else around the table yeah, agrees with is, you. <laughs> this is not the time or the place. <laughs> you know, but it, but, it, but it shouldn't be me making that decision by myself. From the way you describe it, I'm really interested in the, the relationship between the trustee group and the everyday running of the organisation. Um, how, how do they work together? How do they overlap in 
uh, in the nursery sense, but in your experience of trustee groups, uh, what's the what's how does that information pass backwards and forwards or action pass backwards and forwards? So I think um, I think the point of the trustees is they they're kind of really big picture, and they they it's not helpful actually for for trustees to be kind of snowed under with all the kind of the nitty gritty the granular detail on every single little decision that needs to be made you know depending on the size of an organization you know there are different people that need to be you know kind of on you know big projects small projects you know it depends on how you try to i mean with the nursery for example we've got you know a couple of people who run it you know the directors run it um and they're in charge of you know making all of the day-to-day decisions and they're in charge of, you know, coming up with policy, coming up with strategy, um, artistic direction. Um, And then they bring what they're going to do to the trustees and they say, this is what we want to do. And usually as trustees, we go, that that sounds great. That's a great idea. We might go, have you thought about this? We might go, what if this happens? Um, So we're not... Uh, it's 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 not quite line managing them, although sometimes that that is the, that yeah. is how it works. But but it's it's being that sort of um, it's being another head, I guess, to mm. listen to, and 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 another set of ears, um, and it's making sure that what um, that what the charity is planning is what is going to be the best thing for the charity and for the people that it does. You know, so if you know, so if um, like if an artistic director turns around and says, "Oh, I've had a great idea," um, you know, we're going to only do shows in Sanskrit, and you go, "That's an amazing idea," but <laughs> does it? <laughs> As a charity based in London, is that going to be like the most help? You know, is that going to provide the most public benefit that we possibly can provide? You know, and if they can come back and explain, "Oh no, this is why it's going to be great," then you go, "Okay, great." But it's just that sense sense check against these aims. Ex- exactly, yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, it's, you know, because it's it's um it's easy to get swept up on a, on a particular mm. path, I think. Um, and you know, organisationally, it's easy for an organisation to sort of start going in one direction. Oh, that's what we must do. Um, so I, I, it's that it's kind of steering the ship a little bit, and it's it's yeah, being sense checking is a is a good way of putting it. Um, you know, and evaluating kind of what the big picture is. Um. But also, I think one of the the other big things is is looking slightly further ahead. So it's very easy to sort of get caught up in the day to day. What's next? What's next? You know, you know, firefighting in in a crisis situation, which I can imagine has been on the agenda for most organisations, charitable or otherwise, at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. How are we going to pay the bills next month? Um, and you know, you also need someone to go. How are we going to pay the bills in six months' time? You know, um, how are we going to make sure we're still here in a year? Um, and it's those kind of, it's kind of the looking forward into the future, you know, making sure that you've got, um, you know, a, a, a robust strategy um, and one that that is kind of constantly being questioned and constantly 
um, you know, flexing. You know, there's a famous saying, you know, no no plan survives first contact, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face by Mike Tyson. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you got to adapt. So I'm bringing it back to sport. Just making sure there's a sport reference in there. Oh, and sports reference. A violent one as well. <laughs> it's, that's the thing, you know. You've got to, um, you know, know when to flex and know when to to kind of stick to your guns and yeah. And yeah so it's, yeah. So it, it's um, that's that's the role. So you know, so it, it it doesn't. You don't need to be the one that that is signing off everyone's hour sheets. Um, you know, but yeah, but you know, if if we're spending way more on on staff than we need to, then that's something that a trustee I might need to go. Well, that's not a sensible thing to do. It sounds like, and Sean, I I, I so you kind of jumping in, so take this off of me if you want. Um, it sounds like there is a balance that you have to strike between objectivity. And the fact that you're dealing with people, particularly at the moment, who are operating under the pressures of running an organization. So being the person who goes, you need to cut your your outgoings in half in order to be a successful charity. You need to spend less money, but also acknowledging that they are people who have to do that work. Whereas the trustees, it sounds like they wouldn't necessarily find themselves in the room going, you're all made redundant. All I'm thinking sad, yeah. I'm thinking particularly <laughs> about like, you know, who, who, at, who at the National on the board of trustees, you know, who has to, I'm assume, assuming, sit and make that, yeah. advise on that judgment call of, okay, let's, we're going to have to, for the time being, let all of our front of house staff go mm. because we don't have a timeline. But it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily them that has to, no, it's Send not. Send that no, email. No, and that's and that's you know that's one of the things about being a trustee is you know you you're making the decision and then you're having to 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 usually someone else is going to be affecting that change, you know and 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 it, it's about supporting that person that has to go and say to people you know we've got to got to make you redundant and yeah the you know the the what did I, I said this in a meeting the other day you know but the it's the the job of the trustees is to look after the charity. And it's not the job of the trustees to look after each, necessarily look after each individual person within that charity's orbit. The job is to is to make sure that the charity continues to do what it does. And that's when you do sometimes have to make some quite difficult decisions about yeah. the number of people, you know, because if, you know, if you keep paying a thousand people on a payroll um, and then you run out of money... And then the charity ceases to exist. Then, then the good stops. And the good stops. And you can never, you know. And then the charity can never help anyone ever again. So it's yeah, it's it's tough decision making. And 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 I think in so so yeah, if you, for the sake of keeping your you know five hundred a thousand staff for another six months, the charity shutters and the good stops. The trustees haven't necessarily done what they're there to do. No, and actually, and those and those thousand people are then out of a job anyway. So you haven't helped anyone yeah. in the yeah. long term, um, you know. But as trustees, what you do is is you make sure that um, it's a sensible plan that you're approaching redundancies in the right way, and that the people who are left are going to be the people that can, you know, continue to to, to help the you know, help the charity continue to function. So it's about um, reassuring 
everyone involved that a sensible decision has been made that, yes, this is necessary. Yeah. You know, yes, people have agonised about this um, and this is the decision that's been made um, and, and, and gives hopefully reassurance to people. I mean, obviously, it's never going to help if anyone, you know, when, when you're being told that you're going to be made redundant, it's probably not going to be much comfort, you know, that a load of people... Yeah. thought about it for you know for a couple of of, of hour long meetings but um but at least someone did yeah and it, this is this is possibly an unanswerable question so i apologize in advance um but for you personally is there anything you do or try and do to communicate with the authority of the objective participant but retaining i don't, I don't want to call it humanity but i haven't got another <laughs> word for it like is there anything that you do because it sounds like you have a complete grasp of of being this 50,000 foot view and looking further ahead and making decisions for the charity mm. but also having to pass that into the organization somehow is there anything that you do to try and do that well <laughs> well i'm i'm um, well i'm lucky because i you know because i'm 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 chair of trustees in a smallish charity and i'm also you know an employee in an enormous charity and you know the yeah. second biggest employer of people in the arts after the bbc so is that true yeah it's what our chief exec says yeah 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 so it's it's yeah we've got i mean well over a thousand people on the permanent payroll plus all the casuals um you know plus all the people we work with you know on a kind of individual project basis um yeah it's it's a, it's a, it's a big that is that is an amazing that is amazing that must cost a lot <laughs> you wouldn't believe <laughs> it's, it's terrifying i mean you know the amount of money that we have to raise yeah. like you know my team has to bring in over 10 million pounds a year that's just my team of like the team that yeah. i'm in of like 10 people you know so yeah wow. so so with a huge a huge organization like that how um, and maybe you'll go back to this point because I know you were kind of <laughs> answering Mark's question, but I'd just be interested to know some of the kind of um, some of the kind of things that that the Royal Opera House kind of does, um, you know, uh, to kind of bring those people together to stay to on go vision, fishing. to stay yeah, to stay to 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 stay on task. Um, that would be that'd be quite interesting with such a huge you know organization within the arts to kind of tie tie those teams together, tie the vision together. And to keep you all kind of going into work and, and wanting to be there, so to speak. <laughs> so it's 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 interesting because you know it is it's a huge organisation. I've I've worked for a couple of you know big organisations that, and sometimes it does feel a bit like you're on a kind of oil tanker. I mean, it's just it's just giant yeah. monolith, and nothing you can do can can steer it. But um, but actually, um, I mean, certainly the Opera House. You know they are they they do work hard to try and involve everyone in in you know in 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 what's going on and in the big decisions you know and our, our chief exec kind of does regular sort of sessions where he'll talk about you know what's going on what decisions have been made you know what the news is and then invites questions you know from the audience and we, he's been doing that more frequently in lockdown actually sort of every couple yeah. of weeks there's an ask Alex session. Um, you know, where he's explaining and talking about you know, like difficult decisions that have had to be made about how many staff members, you know, the Opera House can continue to employ and, you know, what month will the money run out without mm. us changing something, um, you know, and then answering some pretty direct ten, questions. Ten people in your group going gulp. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, everyone going gulp, to be really honest. You know, and different teams in the organisation will will work differently. You know, but for example, in my 
team, um, I work in the development department and that's money from people, money from companies, uh, money from trusts. It's money from the shop income, for example. It's money from, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, we get a percentage of, you know, mm. of every pound that someone spends on coffee in the foyer, for example. You know, and so we have team meetings, we have department meetings, um, you know, and, and, and it's a collaborative thing. You know, successes are celebrated amongst the whole team. Um, we have a thing called a ding-dong. Okay. So every time you, <laughs> so every time you get a donation from someone, you send a ding dong, and you send in the title, you send an email to everyone. It used to be, you know, a bell, but now you just write in the title line of your email, ding dong. Um, you know, so and so nice. gave us. I love that. That's the stuff I love. I just love the small little things yeah. that are just. It's- they're just good they just make a huge difference like you're smiling now like over the ding dong i'm sure that's what happens in the office (laughs) brilliant yeah and it's lovely you know and 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 it's that thing you know where if you do something you go and tell your boss you go oh my god i just you know they just did this and they go are you gonna ding it and you're like yeah i'm gonna ding it but but that language is but that language is that language is fun but that language has such a deeper meaning because there is money attached to that that helps the charity uh that helps the organization sorry and that's and that's what it's all about that is your i guess your ultimate goal is to keep bringing that cash money in i guess so you know every time you do that it should be celebrated because because you could look at it on the flip side and go well okay your job is to bring money in so why do we need a ding dong but it's, that's not the point of it it's to celebrate successes on a daily basis so i love that idea i love that yeah it's nice and it's and it's a nice motivation as well you know because it, it, it exactly it, yeah yeah um, so, so that's, it's good. <laughs> and how important is it for you as someone raising money for a charity to feel connected to the output or the aims or the good that you're doing with someone like the opera house? Um, is, is it important for you personally or for others that you've experienced to, to give a crap about opera and ballet? Don't forget the ballet. And Yeah. Sorry, and there are there are there are three artistic companies within the Royal Opera House. We've got the Royal Opera, the Royal Ballet, and the Orchestra, and they are all very important. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, yeah. So because everyone goes, oh, Opera, Opera, Royal Opera House, but you know, we've yeah. got a fantastic ballet company, um, and um, and they are. I mean, they they. I mean, as a as a sports person, actually, it's really interesting. The um, sorry, this is a bit of a, a diversion, but the Please. the um, the 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 ballet company, um, they uh, the corps de ballet, which is sort of forty odd um, amazing athletes. You know, they are artists and they are athletes, um, and the sort of the performance psychology aspect of it, of what they do, and the amount of um, time and money that the opera house that we invest into those athletes is is incredible and it and it produces amazing benefits um oh, as soon as you said ballet i was just like yep that is a team that is a very very strong team <laughs> throw me in the air and catch me i trust you right? yeah yeah i mean it's terrifying like just i mean you see some of them and it, i mean it's i mean the the it's I mean, it's such hard work, physically hard work. It's, it's incredible. I mean, the amount that they need to eat just to keep going, you know. And, they're, and, they, and they, they rehearse, like, from... They're, 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 they're rehearsing, um, training, practising from, like, 10 a.m. And, and sometimes performing until 10.30 p.m. Yeah, I think from a coaching point of view, they, they're probably still 
they probably still take quite an old school approach, I would say, to to what is needed, much like a gymnast, uh, opposed to maybe some of our team sports now where there's so much around it and kind of understanding the individual and and giving them time off and, you know, you know their well-being. Of course, those are all, all important factors, I'm sure, within the ballet, but it does seem as though they still are very, very, very strict on their training. And it's, you know, 100% about that. And like you said, the amount of hours they're putting into it is still pretty extreme not nowadays i would say it is extreme although i think i mean it, it's interesting because i think there's been a shift and we've we've done in the opera house we've with the royal ballet's done a lot of work with um sports psychologists um with sports coaches kind of not just not from the ballet world to okay. look at how professional other professional teams work um because it's all very well taking a ballet dancer and, you know, pushing them and pushing them and pushing them, and they are the best ballet dancer in the world, and then at 27, their career is over, you know? Exactly. exactly. Um, and the aim now is, is, is to look at the longevity of the career, you know, as well as the excellence. And that's within the aims of the Royal Opera House's uh, treatment of this company. Exactly, yeah. Because it, And it makes sense for us, you know, because... You know, we we you know we want our dancers to keep dancing and to keep creating art for the public benefit for as long as as is humanly possible. You know, so exactly. we so we so we invest in them. The investment in the aim, yeah, has to be broader than just use you use you for this one thing yeah. until you can't do that one thing yeah. anymore. That's yeah. what I've not I've not considered that at all as part <laughs> of the aim. Don't break your people. <laughs> Don't break your people. It's pointless. If you, if exactly. you know, because because you're not you're not getting your money's worth then, are you? <laughs> I, th- I think no. Is that? But also, I think if you look in, you know, if, if you look at more like a corporate, you know, kind of business world and finance or whatever I think they're also looking around those things too because again it's that burnout it's let's get the most out of these people let's make them you know make the most money for five to ten years and then they kind of break down because I can't do this anymore so yeah that longevity is a really good point actually feels it feels like there's something about recognizing the type of person that can be that ballet dancer that can work that hard in that way and maybe identifying other things you can do with that with that value with that personality trait or that drive how do i how do i capture that when it's not you know dancing steps yeah i mean how can you motivate them you know to 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 do the boring bits of training you know to do you know a hundred leg lifts you know every day you know it's it's yeah so that there's there's a lot of hard work that goes into it um yeah, it's 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 interesting actually watching them. Um, Do you feel like that work, the artistic aims, is a driver for you, or is it, or a, or is it something else? And it's the type of work I don't. What what, what is yeah. the reason for getting up in the morning yeah. for that one? So I think I mean, I, I mean, with fundraising specifically, part of it is you know it's 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 selling. You know, mm. it's it's selling an idea. It's it's persuading someone um, to do something. I think if you really believe in what you're asking someone else to do, then that is much more persuasive instantly. So much yeah. more persuasive. And so I think you can be a better fundraiser if you a hundred percent. You know, if if you if you if you if you really believe in what you're asking people to to give money towards, I, it's perfectly possible to go out and ask someone to make a donation to a charity that you don't particularly yeah. feel drawn to or aligned with or whatever. Um, and that person 
we'll probably still give you, you know, we might still give you a donation. But I think, um, you know, a huge part of what I do is building a relationship with the person who's giving the money. And mm. part of that relationship is, you know, a Just shared it. appreciation of of the cause that you're fundraising for. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's about yeah. going out finding mates, yeah, fi- exactly. finding finding kindred spirits. Yeah, exactly. You know, find someone that you can see, you know, you sit down and you have a coffee with them and you just talk and you just gossip about the ballet company and yeah. you know or or you know, oh this is this is the latest thing the opera company's doing isn't it amazing, you know. And that person is in a position to make a significant gift towards the company to make sure it keeps happening. Yeah. But it, it's not yeah, it's 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 definitely it's it's um it's a huge plus, I think, if you care about your cause, yeah. Um, would you say that that's part of the payback, that relationship with you is part of what that gift is paying for? <laughs> uh, do, uh, do, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, they... Against that sort of... <laughs> Okay. I know what you mean. I I'll rephrase. Um, <laughs> that, I think, I that you represent that you represent a certain amount of access, uh, but also that that access comes via you and your personality and your uh, perspective on the work and on the organisation is part of what they're what they're what they're paying for. Yeah, I mean, I think part of, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, fundraising is all about creating relationships. And so my relationship and I'm, you know, and I, I think I'm a good fundraiser and I'm a good yeah. fundraiser because I make good relationships and they're not just transactional relationships. Um, but, it, you know, it's based on, on a, you know, on a, on a common love for, for the cause that I work for, common appreciation. Um you know, and, and it's that, you know, if, if you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that if I were to leave that none of my donors would give any money at all, um, but it would be for, the, you know, for, for a, a person, you know, so when I went on maternity leave, for example, you know, it was the job of the person that covered my maternity leave to really quickly build up, you know, understand a what your dynamic was and... relationship and but they have to make their own relationship because, you know, they're not me and I'm not them. So, you know, it's it's tough and I've been in that position I've done a maternity cover where you know you you have to try and um you know create a, a relationship really quickly actually um and it's and it and it is it's based on yourself your own personality you know you can't pretend to be someone else not not for a long amount of, you know not for not for any sort of lengthy period of time so it's you know it, it's personality is definitely a thing you know and, and not all fundraisers have the same personality at all but they are all very, very good at, um, at, at using their personality yeah. to create, you know, a, a, a solid relationship. Emma, I was going to, I was going to, as you've touched on kind of that, that team now then, so you as a philanthropy manager, what, what are you looking for within your team? Because as you said, there are different personalities. Um, it's really important to build relationships, but what are you looking for in that team? And if you, if if uh, you were to take on someone new, or you, if you have done in the past that kind of recruitment side of things, how what what are you looking for within that team? So so, so at the moment, so I don't I don't have line management as a as a philanthropy manager. So the okay. manager in my title relates more to the management of my portfolio of 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 donors of the, cli- of the, of the clients yeah. exactly okay. yeah, um, but. Um, 
but as as a team we do work very collaboratively um you know and there's a lot of discussion there's a lot of sort of chat about um you know what we're planning to do with our particular donors there's a lot of um sort of you know asking and giving advice and it, you know i've worked in in several kind of different teams and it, it's it's interesting because i think you the better the better teams i've worked in um you do have those kind of complementary characters you know you have some people um you know who love giving advice all the time you know and then you have some people who have really great advice to give but it needs to be drawn out um you know but, and i think that it's it's interesting you know because from a sort of strategic perspective you want to engage as many different donors as possible and so yeah. it makes sense to have a range of different people on your team that will suit you know different donors um you know personality wise you know if, if if you've got somebody who's very much a numbers person for example then you know pairing them up with a relationship manager who only wants to talk big picture and isn't it pretty and you know and, and isn't this gorgeous yeah. is not going to make for a sustainable relationship whereas if you pair them up with somebody you know who actually you know who can can reel off you know last quarter's ticket sales for example because that's the thing they're interested in then they're going to have probably a lot more a more successful relationship because they they know what that person mm. needs and wants instinctively it's something I can imagine that you can learn but quite a limited number of types of donor as well both corporate and individual that there's that there's there's probably a bunch of donor types that you're going to find people falling into one of the people who want to give to show off or the people who want to give because they're desperately passionate about opera the people who want to give because they're desperately passionate about you know arts buildings you know and making sure that you don't overlap or start fishing in the same well, pond think, yeah i mean i don't i think you can never have too many donors you can run you can run out of places to put their names and so mm. that's something that you've got to think about. So you've got, you do have to think about, you know, what you're promising and what you're bringing yeah. in, you know. So, Initials. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Just put it small, smaller font, smaller font. <laughs> We've changed the marriage of Figaro to the marriage of Paul Davis of the law firm of... <laughs> oh my God, I think, yeah, yeah, we should do that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, um, but it's... it's um, yeah, so it's um, no, I don't, I don't think you would, but but I think what's, I think looking at the type, the type of person that, mm. that would give, I think actually what's really interesting for fundraisers is there is the person that you naturally associate with giving to your cause, um, yeah. and actually, as uh, you know, one of the the things that as it's kind of strategically you should be doing as a fundraiser is going, okay, and who else, yeah, might, you know, and mm. and then. So yes, all of these people, you know, the people who are, um, you know, you, you know, you, you got, you do have an image in your head. I'm sure you have an image yeah. in your head of the typical person who supports the opera, the Royal Opera House, you know, and the typical person who supports. She's wearing pearls. Exactly right. And then, so, 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 my job is to go and find all of those people and get them all to give because, mm. you know, they're they're a relatively kind of easy win, to be brutally honest. Yeah. And then it's to go out and find the people that you might not necessarily think would love opera, but do. Um, and to find the people who have the capacity to give, 
significantly for you know for my specific kind of yeah. area of fundraising give significant amounts that you might not necessarily think you know were a, a huge 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 opera fan you know so so looking at, at donor types and personality types within donors is is useful but not to discount or disqualify yeah. um you know to to sort of expand your pool well i think immediately off of this conversation like the people who are passionate about the orchestra yeah. but have zero relationship with the fact that the opera house has the orchestra yeah. and needed to learn that in order to realize that they were the person who were the type well, yeah. of person to give and i like i've had a limited experience in fundraising standing on a street with a clipboard yeah and the meat and potatoes of my day was a numbers game asking everyone and catching the ones who were going to do it that day anyway yeah and then maybe once or twice a day you'd get the person who was halfway there and you'd have to spend a bit of time so the majority of the money i raised was people who were, who just needed to bump into me that day and i had nothing to do with their giving other than being present and then there's the people who were never going to give no matter what i did <laughs> <laughs> and then there's two people who are going to give because I changed their perspective on it a little bit. And I mean, they're the ones that always felt rewarding yeah. as, a, as, a, as a fundraiser. They're the ones who felt like, oh, I've done work. Is that is that comparable? Absolutely. It's exactly the same. You know, it's it's yeah, it's it's getting those people who, you know, were yeah, we're, we're thinking, we're minding, we're considering, not sure, you know, or, or getting those people who, um, you know, who were going to give a thousand pounds and actually, they end up giving ten thousand mm. pounds. You know, it, it, uh, it, and it's it's. And with corporates, is it finding those people within organisations, recognising the, the 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 humanity within organisations, or is yeah. it appealing to a different thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean I don't have a huge amount of experience with corporate fundraising, but it it is it, it is very relationship based as well. So yeah. you know you, you know the the you know our, our corporate team are really good at finding the people in that company who are going to give to an organization um, like the Opera House. And sometimes it's absolutely because that person loves opera specifically, um, you know, and sometimes it's about um, persuading them that giving to the Opera House, you know, is a form of, you know, corporate social responsibility. And it's about demonstrating, you know, the, the, the social value of what the charity does. So it's, it's you know, working out what ticks their boxes specifically and communicating that to them, you know, effectively and getting getting that gift in, um, you know. But, but I mean, I would say that, yeah, the majority of our corporate, certainly, yeah, our corporate donors, they, they support the Opera House because it's something that's very valuable to the people in the company personally, um, for sure, yeah. Beyond champagne after opening night. Beyond champagne. Well, everyone loves a bit of champagne on opening night. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 definitely a plus as well. Obviously, you know the um, you know the one of the the benefits of, of of raising money for the opera house is for sure that you can have people you know come to a a nice party and and have a nice glass of yeah. champagne and you know meet an opera singer or meet a ballet dancer and you know and, and for many people that's just like just the most amazing thing ever. Um, and it's you know it's 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 an easy it's an yeah. easy thing to engage people with you know there are there are things that are much harder to engage people with 
um, you know, but 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 the flip side is there's there's also probably statistically fewer people that that's gonna convince than if you say to somebody if you don't make a donation to this charity people will die. You know, that's yeah. you know that that's, that's another pretty powerful yeah. motivator. So you know, that's a hard that's a hard convo, isn't it? There to potentially have walk into a corporate world and go, you guys are making lots of money. You need to give some of it away. Yeah, give it to us. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they know how to use it. They, they, and I, I've been around like places like law firms where they know that a relationship with the opera house is something that no, they can't leverage it in kind of direct rewards. I can't get, you know, I'm not going to not going to get back stuff yeah. necessarily, but I can leverage it in the fact that I myself am operating on relationships and my relationship with the opera house is something I can give someone else access to and exactly you know I, I the lawyer that comes to the opera house with his with his uh press night preview tickets won't always be coming with his wife sometimes he'll be coming with his uh client uh who gets really impressed Exactly, um, yeah. Because yeah. the opera house is an impressive place. It is, yeah. It's it's hugely impressive. Exactly, you know. And, and they're, you know, they're they 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 bring, yeah, they're able to bring in their clients to entertain their clients, offer their clients access, you know, and you know, and also, you know, if they're coming to an event where they you know there's a lot of of people who might need a lawyer, for example, <laughs> then they might even get a few new clients. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, the same the same's happened in sport a lot over the over the, probably the last ten years massively as well, where corporate boxes and, and executive boxes have become a huge part of a club's kind of income um, for the exact same reason. Where you know you can entertain clients and put them in front of a of a football match um, or a rugby game or you know something like that. So I definitely see the crossover there. Um, between kind of your world and, and sort of my world in the sports. So, yeah. Interesting, though. It's interesting, though, how organisations at the scale of the Opera House in football don't exist as charities. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Only, the only kind of scale of, of uh, kind of national and international level would be uh, Olympic, that there's no, there's no one giving charitable money to a football team... <laughs> Actually, yeah. I'm 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 not sure that's true. Actually, uh, go on, go no, on. there are there are trusts, there are community trusts and things. So Chelsea have a trust, you know, uh, which is community based. And I don't know how much money mm. Chelsea, the club, put into that, and how much comes from I donations. See. So se- se- separate yeah. separate organisation. Cut yeah, that kind of separate leverages Premiership money. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, I mean, if 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 they're not. Um, you know, leveraging you know money from 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 big supporters, you know, into a charity, then they're missing a trick. Essentially, yeah. I, I'd be I'd be surprised if they weren't. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. know. I'm going to look I'm going to look that up and put <laughs> yeah. something in the show notes. <laughs> One of the things we do ask, yes, uh, is. Um, and this this comes into play in different ways depending on who we're speaking to. We 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 will often say coaches make coaches. That how we run or organise a team or how I chair my uh, group of trustees is a direct kind of learnt skill from the people that have coached us. Is there anything that you have taken from your time in those rooms that you think is something that directly impacts how you run? Uh, trustee meeting or act as a team member or a team leader um i mean i mean as as a on a on a trustee board i mean i've 
you know, I've 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 had to sit in on on quite a lot of trustee boards for big charities like Royal, you know, Royal Academy of Arts, Royal Opera House, um, the Royal Opera House Endowment Fund was was, was one that I, I worked with quite a lot. Um and absolutely i mean and what's interesting is there's a an amazing lady called um uh, dame vivian duffield who is a huge philanthropist um in the in the arts and education and she chairs the endowment um fund at the royal opera house and watching her chair a meeting um was hugely instructive um and and i and i hate it's difficult to say this but because she's a woman doing it i mean you know it's it's you know, it's much more common for it for it to be a man. You know, yeah. as the chair of trustees still, and there's there's generally there are many more men than women on 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 the board anyway. Um, what's what's great at the opera house at the moment is actually we have a um, female chair of the endowment fund, and we also have a female acting chair of the main board of trustees, mm. which I think is awesome. Um, but um, but watching her, um, you know, chair chair a meeting, and um, and I think it's having authority. Um, but not using it all the time necessarily. Mm. Um, and I've seen other other chairs do this as well. What's what's interesting is is watching, um, you know, and, and and you know they start the meeting and they end the meeting, um, <clears throat> but actually the rest of the time is mostly other people talking. Um, and I think a hugely what I take from that is that one of the the one of the really important skills certainly of being a chair of trustees and i think with being a manager as well is is knowing when to shut up mm. like knowing yeah. when to listen <laughs> and actually listen to people not just wait to say well i think this but yeah. it's um you know but but you know what i said at the beginning about facilitating conversation and 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 making sure that everyone has their say um you know not just the loudest voices in the room um but it's um but i think that's something that that i try and take with me um you know is is to to yeah just shut up sometimes <laughs> <laughs> be like dame vivian like dame vivian oh. i mean you know she's got an Can opinion be loud. that that you know she she doesn't she doesn't shilly she definitely yeah. makes her she makes her point of view crystal clear um you know but that's also very important you know, I, I actually, I think, I think, you know, you, it's um, honesty is hugely important, particularly on a yeah. trustee board. You know, you, people yeah. have got to be honest. Um, it's no point saying six months after a disastrous decision. Oh, I didn't never really think that was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and speaking up, even if it feels like an unpopular opinion, is, is, is hugely, hugely valuable. It's necessary. It feels like quite a, quite an interesting space for that as a tone because there is this sense of objectivity or distance of I'm here for who I am my uh, my wisdom or my knowledge or my experience that without that I won't say brutal but without that crystal clear honesty that that straightforwardness you're actually a liability in the room yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're there for a purpose, and your mm. purpose is to, you know, is is to give your, you know, your your honest and 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 well thought out opinion. Yeah. And if you and if you don't do that, then exactly, it's it's not just useless; it's worse than useless. It. Yeah, because it's putting everyone in a position that no one needed to be in. Uh, I remember working in film and having someone basically teach me that there is a essential purpose to telling someone you didn't like their work 
in a way that they will hear yeah. partly because it's useful for them but also because if you start bullshitting about what you like yeah you're going to end up involved in projects and situations that you've put yourself in but you don't want to be in because you weren't clear from the outset about what you liked yeah. you're going to end up making a film that you hate because you you were sucking up to someone absolutely our taste is all we have and then you can't then go that wasn't the piece of work that i wanted well you know you weren't honest about what you yeah. were looking for so but i think you're really i think you're right there mark in terms of just it's then how you communicate what you are looking for because we can all be honest um, and we can be, we can be, we can have real clarity, but I guess there is a tone attached to that as well, because don't have to be we don't want to lose all friends, do we? <laughs> well, you know, um, it's, it's diplomacy, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, and it's, you know, diplomacy is, 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 you know, gosh, it's what you said at the beginning. Diplomacy is, is essentially the art of getting somebody to, to make, to make your decision, um, and think it's their own. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's but it is a you know but but it's it's about it is it's about um making people feel uh feel that they can feel that they can they can be honest and that you will be honest with them actually i think is is important yeah. for trusteeship certainly and and it's you know and 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 it's um taking the fear out of the room in that respect yeah Which, that's a that's a nice way of putting it yeah that's because i've exp i've experienced that in a trustee room that it's about feeling like you can say you can be the one person who says yeah but because you've seen it from a different direction we also ask people what they want to plug uh <laughs> whether there's anything that they want to uh promote or make sure people know about um I think there's probably a fairly, fairly obvious give money to the arts wow. message throughout. Um, but is there anything you would like people to know about or, or understand how to give money to the arts? Well, I'm so I mean, you know, the, so the nursery theatre, um, so we've got a, a COVID-19 appeal, um, which mm. you can, uh, uh, it's just one click on our website. I put that, I put the link in the show notes. Do put the link in the show notes um, uh, because, um you know, even though we're 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 doing we're doing okay, we're not. You know, we're we're doing a lot online. You know, we're still losing money at the moment, um, and that can't. You know, at, at some point, that's not you know going to be that's not sustainable. Um, you know, ditto. You know, the Opera House. You know, we've got our. Um, um, you know, we 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 also have a recovery fund um, that we're fundraising for. Um, again, it's on our website, um, and I would say just if you have any arts. Any 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 arts organisation that you know um, that might be local to you, hmm. um, everyone needs help at the moment. Um, you know, and 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 the government, um, you know, uh, funding is is it's a drop in the ocean. It's a huge yeah. number, but it's a it's it's a drop in the ocean. And 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 I think you know we're going to lose a lot more arts organisations before yeah. this is through. There's yeah, I would say just just think about it. Oh, and and if you do make a donation, tick the gift aid box. If you if you can legally, yeah. <laughs> it's free money for the charity, um, and it doesn't cost you a penny. And it's and it's honestly, it's the best thing. Um, it, it's the best thing to do. Um, so yeah, give money, guys. Amazing. Thank you. So yeah, um, and I would, we I would have also, zero money. <laughs> well, I would also say that if you if you have zero money, is 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 um uh, is also think about um think about trusteeing. There's actually a shortage of trustees in the country at the moment um there always is um you know and, and charities um always they 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 are often in need of alternative voices 
Um, I think particularly becoming more, um, bringing more diverse viewpoints, um, different lived experiences. Mm. Um, I think that's something that a lot of charities um, uh, need to benefit from more. Um, so think about becoming a trustee. Um, you know, you, you don't get paid for it, but you often get your travel expenses or whatever. Um, but actually, it's um, it's a really valuable thing to do. Um, and it, it can really help you as well. Um, yeah. You know, it definitely, I think, I think being a trustee... Um, makes me a better fundraiser it makes me a better colleague i think um it you know it, i can bring the learnings from the boardroom you know to the team that i work with mm. um you know and vice versa um but but i would say consider that you know it's it's it it shouldn't just be you know you know big high finance people that sit on the boards of yeah of charities that you know it it, it should be people that 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 care about you know that and the, the, every the, charity needs trustees every charity has to have them every charity has to have them and they they need a certain amount of kind of churn as well because yeah. otherwise you just get stuck in the same you know with the same viewpoint for for 30 years so um so think about that, that it's a really great it's a really great way to volunteer your time and your expertise to causes that you care about and it's uh and it's super fun you get to hang out with people who like you say have that similar similar thing that they care about yeah so so there we go lots of things people can do mm. thank you so much for coming on emma oh, thanks. brilliant thank you so much emma Cheerio. bye so there you go sean like i said we did not uh particularly talk about being a chair of trustees we got into what the job was we got into how she runs those meetings and I, I said in the interview I really liked her talking about how her function as a chair is about facilitating making the most of everyone in the room and I think that really tied into some of the stuff we've talked about before yeah um, there were some really good nuggets in there I particularly like the ding dongs um, that ding get sent dongs, around yeah that get that get sent around her team I really liked what she had to say about uh, someone who's kind of inspired her and someone that she kind of looks up to, which was, uh, I forgot what the lady's name was, but she Dame was a Dame. Vivian. There we go, Dame <laughs> Vivian, um, who she was quite inspired by in terms of how she works, works a meeting um, amongst other important people. I'm recalling that phrase um, about having having authority, but knowing when you you, sh- you shouldn't use it, when you don't need to use it all the time. She had a knack of putting things quite succinctly like that. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it, it was funny because afterwards, um, I'm reading a book at the moment called uh, Trillion Dollar Coach, which is about Bill Campbell, um, who works with, uh, has worked with a lot of tech companies. So Google, for example, Microsoft. Um, and it's actually three people who worked with him, who he coached, who have put the book together. Yeah. Um, and there was a really interesting part in it that I literally just read last night and I thought it tied in so nicely with what Emma said. So Marissa Meyer, um, yeah. who um, is that, was at Google um, or may currently uh, still be. No, I think she went, on to, she went on to run Yahoo. Right, so she was, she was coached by Bill um, and she was having problems with uh, two different groups having different opinions on things and not coming up uh, kind of with a solution. Um, and there's just a tiny little piece that I just want to read out so Mm. one day bill gave her a new rule when she was discussing a decision with her team she always had to be the last person to speak you may know your answer may be right he said but when you just blurt it out you have robbed the team of a chance to come together getting to the right answer is important 
but having the whole team get there is just as important. So Marissa sat uncharacteristically quiet while her team debated issues. She didn't like it, but it worked. She gained new respect <laughs> for her team and their ability to handle problems. And that is basically almost verbatim what Emma yeah. was speaking about in, in how she approaches meetings now um, as someone who may need to make the final decision. So yeah. really interesting. Fascinating. And and definitely, like, I got, I got the vibe off of Emma and I think you probably did and I think the listeners probably did. Like, she's a smart lady. Oh, she's definitely. Her ability to come up with the right answer is probably in there. Yeah, I'm sure. But it that is. thing of, of holding it and not making it the first thing that gets said and shutting down everything fits in so much with with how some of the stuff that other people have said on the pod and yeah and i think that was really team related i think yeah. there, there was definitely part we did we did move away from from team ship so to speak um a, a little bit on this episode but i think there was some really key takeaways as i said for me the ding dong for me uh the inspiration she's had with um with some of her her peers and how they work and also you know how meetings are run with her where she does take everyone's yep. opinion on um you know so that's ultimately they get all the of right that decision. stuff about her, her role being so focused on relationships yeah landed super clearly for me um to get it back on track next week we are going all in on teamship we've got another sports coach in um so we're going to be talking to a chap called michael moore tell us a bit about michael so michael uh, is uh, another colleague um of my brothers which is very helpful <laughs> we so, are mining uh, casey for his contact so he currently um works um for juventus um, but he's done a lot of work um, in Ireland as well uh, with the national team and some of the professional teams over there uh, at youth level. Um, so very experienced. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this one. And he specifically wants to get into kind of the pursuit of excellence and kind of trying to achieve your, stri your strategic approach um, to, to your goals. So I, I think we're going to be deep diving uh, into teamship yeah, quite a flip lot. It, flipping straight, flipping straight from the arts into can, you know how do we how do we win as a group win because that's because that's what we do, Mark. We just keep <laughs> flipping the script. So that's next week. Do subscribe if you want that to land automatically in your podcast app. Uh, you can subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Stitcher now. Uh, we're on Pocket Casts. Go on, Sean. No, just going to say thank you very much to those who um, I berated to uh, give us a rating because uh, we now got a few five-star ratings knocking about and some people were kind enough to actually leave a comment. Amazing. So thank you so much. Those five-star ratings are really appreciated. They just help um, us get and noticed. we hope to continue them yeah yeah um exactly. so yeah subscribe subscribe on however you find your podcasts usually uh give us ratings wherever but next week's going to be an amazing one uh thanks so much to emma warren thomas from the nursery coming on all of the stuff that she talked about she's sent a couple of links over so look for those in the show notes look for how you can get involved with being a trustee uh i recommend it massively drop us an email or a tweet at no i podcast uh, if you want to suggest someone or you want to ask a question, just send that in uh, Mark or Sean at noipodcast.show or uh, Instagram and Twitter at noipodcast. Uh, that's that for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for commenting and, and leaving those reviews and ratings. Uh, we'll be back 
next Friday. Uh, all that's left is, uh, is just for, to say goodbye from Sean. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> and goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. You must be like the Wolfpack. Teamwork. Yes. <laughs>